Amen. That's exactly where God's people found themselves in, in Joshua chapter 3. And for those of you who have been in our church for a while, you'll realize that Joshua chapter 3 was the passage that God gave us as we launched out in what we termed the water's edge vision. And I want to pick up the story from Joshua chapter 3 as we go into Joshua chapter 4 today. If you need a copy of the scriptures, just raise your hands in the air, and our ushers would be delighted to give you a copy of the scriptures, and we'll turn to those in just a moment. Again, if you need a copy of the scriptures, raise your hands in the air. If you have a copy of the scriptures, you may want to turn to Joshua chapter 4. The song you just heard sung was uh, written, was penned by our team just to reflect on what we believe we have done as a congregation since May the 3rd, 2015. We believe that God spoke. We believe that uh, God was calling us to follow. And uh, just what I'm going to share with you over the next few moments is surely an indicator that that's what we've done. God has moved, we have followed. We have left old shores, we have ventured into new territory. And in a sense, some 28 months after May the 3rd, 2015, it could kind of feel that we've done it, we've arrived, we've finished. But as the message title today suggests, this is not the end. This is not even the beginning of the end. I want to suggest to you that this is, in fact, the end of the beginning. Back in May 2015, I said that over the next few years, there were a number of things that we needed to do. There were three, in fact. We needed to upgrade out-of-date technology. We believed that uh, technology was so old. You may remember that I had an old television on the stage back from 1996. You may recall that I had a, a mobile phone from 1995 on my belt here, and uh, this thing was absolutely enormous. Our technology back in 2014, uh, 2015 rather, was actually that old. It dated back to the 1990s, many of it, even though we purchased it in the uh, early 2000s. We were running at the end of the technological life, and just with where society was going, we said, folks, we, we have to change this. And so over the summer of 2015, that's what we did. That was phase one. That same night, I said, look, as difficult as this may be, we also need to add mission-critical staff. There were, I suggested to you, a number of people who, as we continued on our journey, would no longer be making that journey with them. Just as God had called me from Tampa to Holland, and so God was calling people from Holland elsewhere. Some would naturally retire. Others, we would just need to make the transition because they'd reached the ceiling, and that ceiling, uh, their capacity was not what we needed moving forward. That was tough but it was something that we needed to do. And I'm thankful that we've made that transition. And, and I can just tell you, church, the atmosphere and the spirit of unity and excitement and passion on our church staff of what God is calling us to do is truly second to none. And I rejoice in the journey that we've been through as difficult as it may have been for some. And then thirdly, we said, look, we, we have the responsibility with what God is calling us to be, a church of at least six campuses, we said, 
reaching from Holland to the ends of the world by 2020, we have the responsibility to fashion a facility for every generation because there were aspects of this facility that were not appropriate to helping us meet the challenge that we needed to face. And that challenge where we were an aging congregation and we had to add younger. And so we embraced that stronger challenge last year and uh, God has done amazing things both in terms of helping us add younger but also in terms of us fashioning a platform here from which we can send people to the very ends of the earth as modeled by our commitment to Santorin and Jordan and about 55 to 70 people from this campus to start a Grand Rapids campus. And that campus is doing well. They've already seen more about 20 people come to faith in Jesus, 11 people publicly profess Christ in baptism, and this is just the beginning. God has done a great thing as we committed on May 3rd, 2015 to jump in. As we went through that vision process, I, I realized that that was stretching to a number of people. I recognized that the sums that we were talking about, a total project cost of $9.2 million was of a scale that just seems impossible for some of our minds to even capture. $9.2 million? Now, just for you to realize, not all of it was spent here. It was invested in other campuses and other ministries. But still, $9.2 million it is such an exorbitant sum, isn't it? I want you to know that those sums of money are not comfortable for me. They're not natural for me. I was born in a small village on the South Wales coast. I was brought up in a home that was basically government-subsidized housing. I went to school and enjoyed free school meals because my family couldn't afford to give me a lunchbox every day of the week. In my household, talking about hundreds of dollars was more than we could get ahead around. And so for me to talk about millions, it's not natural to me. But there's one thing I've realized. I cannot limit God to a scale and to a size of movement that is limited by my own experience. When God called me from Europe to America in 2008 to Tampa, Florida, I left a church that had a budget of about $250,000 and went into a church that had just taken on $7 million of debt. I went into a church that was about to experience the bottom drop out of the economy. And I moved from a small scale to a scale that just beggared belief. The general budget was about three to $4 million. It was a stretch. And that's when I realized that I cannot limit God to a movement or to a scale or to a size that is based on my own belief, that my own, based on my own experience, that I had to allow God to be God. I had to allow God to do things that were beyond even my wildest imagination. As I was grappling with all of this, I remembered uh, an old German missionary who was kind of eccentric. And uh, before I left, he thrust a book into my hand and it was called Wind or the Fire in His Bones. It was the autobiography or the biography rather of the evangelist Oz Smith. 
And as I was wrestling through all of these challenges, $7 million of debt, an economy that was slumping, my first act as a pastor, folks, was to lay off staff. That didn't go down well. As I'm wrestling with all of this, I, I, somehow I just saw this book on my shelf and I just thought, you know, I probably should read it. And that was God's word to me at that point in time. I opened that book and I read that biography of R. Smith. And R. Smith was a guy who just believed that when you prioritize the mission of Jesus, God takes care of his church. So there I said, okay, God, this is so uncomfortable for me. This is so beyond anything I've ever experienced. But what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna prioritize the mission of the church, the mission of Jesus Christ, and you're gonna take care of this church. And in that moment, it was as if God spoke to me in my spirit and said, okay, Craig, demonstrate that. When you're cutting every other budget, invest more in outreach. Invest more in mission. Stand up and increase the amount of money that you're giving away. Church, it made no sense. But that's what we did, and God took care of his church. And God grew that church in Tampa in an incredible way. It's kind of funny that that story was in my notes with everything that's going on in Tampa today. And by tomorrow morning, realistically, the house that Fibra and I called home is likely to be underwater. But God used that city, God used that, that place to help me realize that I cannot limit God to a size and to a scale of movement that is limited by my own experience. I have to allow God to be who he is, and to do abundantly more than I ask, think, or even imagine. And church, that, I believe, is the future that God has for us. And what he's saying to us is do not allow your experience of God to be limited by what you think, but allow God to speak to you. And I believe the word that God wants to remind us of today is a simple one. This is not the end We've done so much in three years, but this is not the end. It's not even the beginning of the end. We may think that with earthquakes in Mexico and storms all around the world, but it's not the beginning of the end. It is, in fact, the end of the beginning. We are entering into a dynamic new phase where God is calling us to have faith and to keep on moving because there are places that God wants us to take the hope and life of Jesus. Now, those of you familiar with history will know that this phrase that I've been using is actually a quote from Winston Churchill, the British Prime Minister. Back in 1942, General Montgomery of the British Army experienced the first victory over General Rommel of the, of the German, of the Nazis. And there was euphoria all across the land. And Winston Churchill stood up in Parliament and he said these words. This is not the end. He tried to temper the enthusiasm, the exuberance of the, of the British people. He said, this is not the end. It's not even the beginning of the end, but it is perhaps the end of the beginning. What he was saying was, listen folks, this is a decisive victory. And from here, I believe it goes forward on to victory, but there are yet many stages, many challenges that face us, and we must not shrink back. When we experience defeat, we must not think that we have lost. Victory is ours, but we must keep moving forward because it's not the end, 
It's just the end of the beginning. And I think this is what God was telling his people in Joshua chapter four, and this is what we're gonna turn to the text. Joshua chapter four is that moment where God's people jump in, just as we challenged everyone here to do in Joshua chapter three on that Sunday, May the 3rd, 2015, and God's people jumped in. And this is the part of the story where they reach the other side, and I believe that God has some things to say to us. Now, what I want us to note as we go to the text is that the miraculous way that God actually leads his people through the Jordan actually has echoes and evokes memories of the Red Sea crossing. And God wanted his people to view this crossing as a dynamic new phase that was emerging before their very eyes. And church, I believe that that's God's word to us. He wants to view what is happening today with the opening of the of the student center and next week the legacy room with that new 909 sensory sensitive service and, and so many other things going on. He wants us to realize it's not the end. It's not the end because guess what guys, we've still got to pay for it. We started off with a $9.2 million budget. Our peak debt was this month at 5.3 million. That peak debt of 5.3 is actually slightly higher than we forecast, but it's slightly higher than we forecast because we finished months and months early. We finished inside of budget and well inside of schedule. So you realize that the peak debt is 5.3 and the total cost of the project is 4.2. We've done really well over the last 14, 15 months. We have done exceptionally well. But you may think, hey, this is not the end. My motivation is simply money. Look, money's important, but it is a small thing in the hands of a very big God. Our focus isn't money. Our focus is on mission. This is not the end. It's not even the beginning of the end. We've got to keep going, not just to simply to pay the whole thing off, but actually because there's a world to reach for Jesus Christ. And God wants us to realize that there is a dynamic new phase that is opening up before our very eyes. And as we look at this text, I believe that there are three promises that God gives us. Let's read this, shall we? Joshua chapter four from verse 10 through verse 18. Now the priests who had carried the ark remained standing in the middle of the Jordan until everything the Lord had commanded Joshua was done by the people, just as Moses had directed Joshua. The people hurried over, I'm sure they did. And as soon as all of them had crossed, The ark of the Lord and the priests came to the other side while the people watched. The men of Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh crossed over ready for battle in front of the Israelites as Moses had directed them. About 40,000 armed for battle crossed over before the Lord to the plains of Jericho for war. That day the Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of all Israel. And they stood in awe of him and all the days of his life just as they had stood in awe of Moses. Then the Lord said to Joshua, command the priests carrying the ark of the covenant law to come up out of the Jordan. And so Joshua commanded the priests, come out of the Jordan. And the priests came up out of the river carrying the ark of the covenant of the Lord. No sooner had they set their feet on dry ground than the waters of the Jordan returned to their place and ran at flood stage as before. I love that. They were on one side and God was saying, I want you to jump in, I want you to cross with me. And the people hurried over, of course they did, there's water on either side. 
And then no sooner they got to the other side and the ark came out that the waters flowed and they'd reached. Had they finished? No, this wasn't the end. This was the beginning of a dynamic new phase of conquest. This wasn't the end. It wasn't even the beginning of the end. This was the end of the beginning. And you know there's a fundamental difference between someone who views something as the beginning of the end and the end of the beginning. The first difference is this, is the question of attitude. Those people who were there in that moment had a choice of how they viewed this dynamic new phase. They could view it either as the beginning of the end, and many of them had viewed it that way, hadn't they? In Numbers, we remember the story where the spies went into the land and they saw that they were giants and they were terrified. Some people believed that if they entered into this dynamic new phase, it was in fact going to be the beginning of the end. The people were too big, the land was too big, the task was too hard, we shouldn't go there. If we do, this doesn't go well with us. But that's not what God said. God said, this isn't the end. If you cross over, it's not even gonna be the beginning of the end. It's actually gonna be the end of the beginning. It's gonna be a start of a dynamic new phase where you experience me doing something so great through you. And God makes three promises, I think, that, that apply to us. And the first promise is this. From the text in verses 10 and 11, we notice that those who trust God enough to step in and wait will witness a movement of the masses that defies logic. Verses 10 and 11, that's basically where the priests have jumped in. Remember, the river was at flood stage. They've jumped in, and not only do they jump in, they kind of wade in, and then they wait. The text tells us that 40,000 troops, and we'll get to that in a second, actually walked in front of them, armed and ready for battle. How long do you think it actually took for those 40,000 to walk? That's not even including all of the people. What is God saying? God is saying, look, there is an exciting phase that is ready for you, but it is, in fact, those people who are willing to jump in and wait that are the privileged ones who get to see a movement of the masses of people that defies belief. That's what verses 10 and 11 tell us. They jumped in and they waited. You know, I am mindful of the fact that we've already started to see a number of people jump in to what God has for us and the result has already been a movement of masses that defies belief, defies logic. Let me give you an example, the Playland. In the Playland, 65 volunteers, isn't it amazing, 65 volunteers and I stand here today with 65 children who have already made essential on Sundays their church home. 65 volunteers, 65 kids. No coincidence, is it? But 65 volunteers were the youngest aged 14, the oldest aged 77. You see, people, you are never too old to serve in kids' ministry. 65 people jumped in to help us staff that playland. And to date, we have seen over 24,000 unique check-ins into that playland. Over 24,000 people. (laughs) 
It's amazing if you, you go in there, some of the conversations that are happening, but I want you to get the point. It is the willingness of a few to jump in and wait who get to see a movement of a masses of people that often defies logic. In the same way, I'm mindful that as we started this, 412 of you indicated last year, last summer, that you were willing to make that financial commitment. 412 people, 412 people, 412 commitments, giving units, have actually committed. And as a result of that, we are seeing a movement of masses that defies logic. In fact, the total number of giving units that can be households is closer to 900. And already we have collected, as a result of that, nearly $2.5 million. You see, it is a movement of the few who are willing to jump in because they see something and then wait. And in the waiting, we get to witness a movement of masses. That's the way it works. And God wants us to realize an important truth. He wants us to realize that the most important people in a movement are basically the ones who make the movement of the masses possible. It's the people who stand in the trenches, not those who rally the troops, who lay the foundation for every movement of God. I get the privilege of standing here today and kind of rally the troops, but that's not where the power lies. Yes, leadership is important, but behind every move of God, there have to be the 40,000. There has to be the priests who are willing to jump in and wait. And today, on behalf of all of our leadership, the board of elders, the both current and those who led us into this project, we want to stand here and we want to thank each and every one of you who are making this movement possible. Let's not quit. We haven't arrived this isn't the end. This is the end of a very exciting new beginning. The second promise that we read in this text is that those who are faithful before God will actually receive God's approval. I love this part of the text, verses 12 through 14. The men of Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh crossed over, ready for battle in front of the Israelites. As Moses had directed them, about 40,000 armed for battle crossed over before the Lord to the plains of Jericho for war. That day the Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of all Israel, and they stood in awe of him all the days of his life, just as they had stood in awe of Moses. Now you look at that, and we think, don't we, verse 14, that it's Joshua who was in fact singled out for special honor, and he is. But have a look at this biographical information there in verses 12 and 13. Those guys that actually went ahead ready for battle, if you dug in closer to the text, you'd see that in Deuteronomy and in Numbers, those folks that are actually walking in front were challenged by Moses to do so. And then as Joshua takes up his leadership right at the start of the book, Joshua challenges them again. This is what they say. Whatever you have commanded us, we will do. And wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we fully obeyed Moses, so we will fully obey you. The key thing here is they honored their commitment. They made a commitment in advance, and when the time came, 
despite all of the challenges, despite what uncertainty they faced on the other side, they jumped in and walked ahead of everyone else. And what does God do? This anonymous group of people are honored for all time in the word of God that we read today. And with that, we want to do the same thing. I've already mentioned that 412 people filled out commitment cards. But 892 people have given to the Stronger Challenge. 892. 2.5 million has already been collected. And more than that, we also want to stand out, step up and thank the over 2,100 giving units that make this ministry possible. 2,100 giving units. That's unbelievable. And I think God looks at this and he realizes that in that initial decision to give, there is the reality that giving costs. And you've stepped up and you've given. And one of the things that we love at Central is that for every $4 that comes in, $1 is invested in outreach. People look at this church and they think it's all about the facility, but it's never been about the facility. It's always been about the ministry. And so even while we're talking about this money coming in for Stronger, last year, 26.8% of all that came in was invested in ministry of reaching people with the good news of Jesus. One in four. So that means every, every person that gives four dollars, they know that in the history of Central, since this facility has been built, over 25% has been invested in ministry. And that's only possible because there is an army of people who are willing to walk before the rest and show them that it's safe to trust God and move. And we salute you today, and we really do commend you. And there's a principle, I think, that we can see they made a commitment. They honored that commitment, and God gave his commendation. And we just believe that God wants every person that has jumped in financially into this project to hear from God saying, thank you, you gave, and you continue to give, Thank you for your sacrifice. And on behalf of the church, the elders, the staff, we want to thank the over 2,000 giving units, households that make this ministry work. Thirdly, third promise, what starts with God always ends with God. In verses 15 through 18, we read this. Then the Lord said to Joshua, command the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant Lord to come up out of the Jordan. And so Joshua commanded the priests, come up out of the Jordan. And the priests came up out of the river carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. No sooner had they set their feet on dry ground than the waters of the Jordan returned to their place and ran at flood stage as before. It's amazing, isn't it, that we can begin a journey with God and God awaits us on the other side. You see, God is the beginning of our journey and he is the end of our journey. I was thinking through this week, is there a word that actually we can use that actually kind of summarizes or symbolizes both the start and the finish, the beginning and the end? I thought of the German language. There's a German word uh, that we can use, Soli, S-O-L-I, as I say, Soli. 
And you would say it when someone comes, you say it when they leave. Solimitnanda, it's kind of, hey, everyone, bye, everyone. It's the same word. Or in Hawaii, they say, aloha. They say it when you come. They say it when you go. But what in the church, what word do we use for, for the beginning and the end? You know what we use? We use God himself. God is the beginning and the end. He is the alpha and the omega. He is the first and the last. God is with us when we start, and he's with us when we get there. And what a movement of God costs is for us all to realize that there is not a single step of our journey that is taken without God. God brought them to the water, and he would lead them through the water. God brought us to this vision. He will lead us through this vision. God led us here. God will lead us from here. God is the beginning of the journey. God is the end of the journey. I shared that the key differences between having this mentality of the beginning and the end and the end of the beginning involves two things. Firstly, it's attitude. What do we see? But the second thing is location. See, the reality is that there is a fundamental difference between the beginning of the end and the end of the beginning. That statement recognizes that everything has a beginning, there is a middle section, and there is an end. And the difference between the beginning and the end and the end and the beginning actually involves where we find ourselves. It's location. Where are you? See, what we're saying is, look, God has brought us here, and we celebrate it. We celebrate what God is doing. We celebrate what God is going to do. But it's not the end. We say we're right here. We're actually at the end of the beginning. There's so much more to be done. Our Water's Edge vision essentially said that by 2020, we wanted to be a church of at least, at least six. It was never about the number of campuses. We now have six campuses, but it's never about the number of campuses, at least six fully functioning campuses. We're working hard on the functionality of all of those, and that's going well. But what we believe is that from now until 2020, we are working on the next phase of our vision. What is God saying to us next? And we do that because we have to ask ourselves, God, where are we? Where are we in that scale and in that size of movement that you want us to be a part of. God, where are we? Where do you want us to go? And so over the next 20 months, the elders and the staff, we will be working on, God, what's next? We do that because until Jesus Christ comes back, there's always gonna be a next. We're not done. There's more work for us to do. But the real question in all of this is, where are you? Where are you in this move? We believe that the church of Jesus Christ is the hope for the world. Not just our church, but every church. The hope of Jesus Christ in this world is the church. And what everybody needs is to be connected to a local church. Where are you? We believe that this is the season. This is the time, especially a fall, to start. To start. To start believing that there is this dynamic new phase that God wants us to go through, to enter in. Start. But where are you? For some of you, that start needs to be getting connected because you're disconnected. You're not connected into a move of God. And that's why we're inviting people in the season. Start. Get connected in community. On our website, you'll be able to see all of the sign-up opportunities to help you get connected in community. Start. For some of you, you are connected in community, but there's something missing. Service is missing. 
For some of you, you need to start by committing to start to serve. It was so good a couple of weeks ago to be here on team night and to see, you know, this basic, this floor filled with people, the army of people who make this ministry work. Even through the summer, our quiet period, over 400 people served every single week to make this ministry tick. And our ministry is growing. It is expanding. We need more people. Start. Financially too, this isn't the end. This is the beginning. We thank God for what He's done in us financially, but we need people to continue being faithful. But for some people, God is calling you to to jump in and trust Him and to start giving faithfully. And so as you leave this place today, you're gonna see as you came in and you'll see on the way out, you'll see these finish lines. But at at the finish line, there's not the word finish here, there's the word start, because we aren't finished yet. God's not finished with us yet. God has got more He wants us to do in this world, and He wants us all to be a part of this. And God's word to us this morning is start. Start somewhere. Connect in community. Start serving. Start giving faithfully. Pastor Lynn has already explained how we can do that. But why do we do all this? We do all of this because God is an awesome God who is doing such a great work in this world. And our encouragement to you today is remember how good and great God is and let us not make the mistake of limiting God's move to a size and a scale that is based on our experience. Let us allow God to do what God wants because our God is awesome.